Our scripture for this morning is from Matthew 4, 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, they saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Okay, there's a TV commercial that really bugs me, and I see it every night. Every night I try to watch the PBS NewsHour. I've fallen in love with it. I was watching it back in the days of Gwen Ifill, and it is my news program. And even though it's public television, they have three commercials at the beginning. So it's not really commercials, it's um, videos of our benevolent sponsors that are keeping public television on. There's one for BNSF Railroad, so I guess if you're looking to buy a railroad, they're reminding you every night, BNSF is wonderful. Also Consumer Cellular, and then an investment firm who will remain nameless. And the commercial is 30 seconds long. It involves what the internet called an overly hip older couple. Uh, these folks are about to become grandparents, but they, um, they don't seem to have any wrinkles they probably don't have any trouble getting up off of a low couch. They probably have no health problems. And they waltz into their financial advisor's office and she says, well, tell me what's going on. And they say, well, our daughter's going to have a baby. Actually, she's going to have twins. And the advisor says, well, change in plan. And grandma says, we'd like to set some money aside for them. And of course, the advisor is very helpful and says, let me help you do that. Next frame, they're walking in a leisurely way through downtown with fabulous outfits on and amazingly glorious, the guy anyway, silver thick hair and a beard, rubbing it in the face of those who've lost their hair. And the wife says to the husband, loft for sale, we could be closer to the twins. So then the next frame, they're in the financial advisor's office again. And they say, the guy says, change in plan. And so then they, work on how wonderful this investment firm is going to be that now with your big pile of money that you didn't know what to do with, you can buy a downtown loft and be closer to your grandchildren. Next frame, they're sitting on the couch with the two babies and the daughter looks at the mom and says, mom, are you painting again? You know, you could sell these. And mom's eyes kind of roll up and her eyebrow goes up and the financial advisor is there again in the next frame. And she says, let me guess, change in plan. Now, I'm all for investing. If you have $5 and you can invest it, go do it, especially if in, you're in your 20s 
and look up the miracle of compound interest and you will understand why that makes a difference. Don't wait till you're 40, do it when you're 20. I'm not down on investing, it's just that this commercial rankles me. When we think about all the changes in plan that people have been living through lately. Some of us don't have a big pile of money where we could just go buy a downtown loft like these fabulously glamorous older people. We say change in plan without a smile on our faces when we get a diagnosis that we have COVID and now we're gonna have to quarantine for 10 days and maybe have everyone move out of your house. How about this change in plan? You've been laid off. Now you need to go fend for yourself. Change in plan. This business we've been running cannot go into any further debt, and so we're closing our doors. Change in plan. Your loved one got COVID and four days later was no longer living. Change in plan. I felt this way before the quarantine, but now that we've spent all these miserable months together, I'm asking you for a divorce. Change in plan. I can't let you live here any longer without accepting your rent, without getting any rent from you, so you're evicted. Change in plan. So it's been a rough year, but now we have a completely empty, brand new, clean one. So where shall we begin? In our scripture today, Jesus asked his disciples to drop everything and come and follow him. The two younger guys are there with their father, mending their nets, doing their daily work, and they drop everything, they leave their father, and they leave their boat. They go with him to unknown destinations for an unknown amount of time to do unknown things. Change in plan. And right after this, in our scripture, we have the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. David is starting a scripture sermon series with you next week, and I'm kind of the preamble to that. This is the point where Jesus is collecting members of his team, as told by Matthew. Now remember that Matthew was written about 40 years after Jesus' death. It's known as the most Jewish gospel. It makes more references to the Old Testament than any other gospel. Matthew quotes Old Testament scripture more than any of the other four, mainly the Psalms, but Isaiah comes in as a close second, and that's where we get the repetition of Old Testament scriptures today. Matthew asks questions of identity for the early church. Now that the temple has been destroyed, who are we to be as people of faith, as maybe people who grew up Jewish, but who are followers of Christ? Who are we in comparison to our Jewish forebears? Since we don't have a place that is the holy place anymore, where are we to find it? Can you relate to that question? Scholars say that Matthew wanted his hearers to understand that ordinary things like mustard seeds and fish and boats could become holy. And if you had faith that was even as big as a mustard seed, then you, with the help of God, could move mountains. And most of the key events that happen in Matthew happen on mountains, like the Sermon on the Mount. I found a quote from my Uncle Fred, the original Reverend Venable, that said this about Moses in the wilderness, thinking about following someone 
whom you did not know well, but following that person into a wilderness of new ministry and exploration. God was with Moses in the wilderness, but Moses was still in the wilderness. God didn't take Moses out of the wilderness and say, I'll save you from all of this wandering. God said, I will be with you here in the wilderness. And we very much are still in that wilderness. But God says over and over again to us, I will never leave nor forsake you. I am with you always. I feel a little bit as though I've been in the wilderness lately. I came down with COVID-19. I'm the first one of our full-time staff here at the church to have gotten it. I'm amazed that it took this long just because we're all humans, living with humans, leaving. Anytime you get out of your bed, let's face it, you're risking uh, contracting this virus, especially if you leave your house. I either got it at a small funeral where I officiated or a small wedding where I officiated. Both happened the same week. Both had people who were infected. Nobody knew. Everybody took the best of precautions. We all had our masks on the whole time. I zapped everybody who came through these doors with a temperature wand. And at the funeral home where I was, all precautions were taken as well. But I got the call about both of them on the same day. And I found the first call up in my office. I grabbed my stuff, I left here, I went to my house, and I collected my mother and my sister, and we all three went to get tested. Thank goodness the two of them came up negative, I came up positive. I thought it was fishy when they got their results about 10 hours before I got mine. One nurse I talked to said, that doesn't make any difference, but it made a difference to me while I was waiting all of that time. And to see that readout and see everything in black except the words positive in red, I admit that I was very scared. I've come through it just fine. Uh, the only thing that seems to be lingering now is that I have asthma. I didn't know I had asthma before. I think maybe I did have it, but it hadn't been detected but now I have an inhaler, and now I have instructions, and it wasn't really a problem before. But you know what? I'll take asthma. I will take asthma over some other outcomes. I've been keeping a log of how many of our membership have contracted COVID, and how many have recovered, and how many have died. We've lost four people, two of them very recently. We've had 34 of you that I know of get sick. So if you think I don't know and you want me to know, call me or email me and tell me that you should be on my list. And an even longer list is below of people whose grandmother or son or friend or roommate uh, who aren't members here, those who have contracted it as well. There were a couple of nights where all by myself, when my sister moved out as soon as she heard I was positive, which I would have done too, and checked into a hotel for seven nights. Lying there in the darkness, I remember thinking, I'm not getting a full breath. Is this it? I actually thought, well, at least I paid off my church pledge before this happened. <laughs> Somehow it helps for me to go to the worst case scenario. My sister says, why do you do that? That doesn't help me at all. That's awful. I wanna go to the best case scenario. Well, if I can handle the worst case scenario, I feel like, okay. So I prayed in earnest, thinking this may be the end of my life. Uh, 
and then thinking, my mother, I won't tell you her age, but she graduated from high school in 56. She doesn't need to get this either. There was fear. There was worry. But I knew that God would never leave me nor forsake me no matter what happened. So if you think we're out of the woods yet, we're not. I had one of these on and I still got it. But I'm going to keep wearing it even though I may have temporary immunity. Uh, for the sake of those around me and for the sake of that chance that maybe I could give it to somebody. I made it through and I'm so grateful, but we're not out of the woods yet. Here we are with a brand new year and here we are getting ready for the day of Epiphany. So what is Epiphany? That's on your calendars for Wednesday. Epiphany is from a Greek word that means manifestation or appearing. It refers to the appearing of Christ in the world not just to his mother and father, but to the three magi who came from far away, who followed that star and welcomed this well-known child. What an amazing scene to imagine. These three men of great wealth and knowledge coming to where Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were, certainly a place of humble means wherever they were at that time. What would everyone else in town have said to see these three figures coming and looking for a child born to a poor couple. People would never forget that this was the kid who, for whatever reason, was visited by these three fancy foreign men with beautiful clothes who brought gifts that cost the value of a few years' wages. At Epiphany, we celebrate the arrival of Christ, the revelation of Christ to the world, and we celebrate that Christ, who came from such humble beginnings, merited a visit from kings. Christ was the embodiment of God. Christ came to earth to show us what love was all about. And these kings were the very first missionaries to go and spread the word. So where shall we begin? How about we begin with love? If Jesus came to earth to show us about love, let's see what love there is in the world. I know how many of us have been looking for any piece of good news that we can find during this pandemic. I am one of those. You don't always get that from the PBS NewsHour, but I know you always feel, at least I always feel very well educated about what unfortunately is going on in the world. Did you read the newspaper yesterday? There was an article about a woman named Monica Harvey. She is a Navajo woman who wanted to help save the lives and help the lives of her tribal elders. She was at a Sam's Club in her native Arizona and saw people running to buy all of the hand sanitizer, all of the cleansing wipes, and all of the toilet paper from the shelves of this place. And she also noticed older people who weren't as fast on their feet getting to those shelves and realizing there was none for them. So instead of uh, clucking her tongue and saying, gosh, that's too bad, she began a nonprofit organization called Defend Our Community, an agency that collects necessary items for people over a certain age, especially those who are living under the poverty level. She took a bad situation and she did something good about it out of love and out of the care of preservation of these wonderful older treasures, who especially to Native American tribes are living treasures 
those who still know the language, who know the rituals, who know the traditions. She didn't just shrug her shoulders, she went and did something about it. On March 25th of this past year, the governor of New York sent out a bulletin to any and all retired healthcare workers across the country to volunteer and come work in the state of New York, in hospitals, in clinics, in ERs. Even if they had not worked so long that their licenses had expired, they were still invited to come and the governor assured them that their licenses would be reinstated if they would only come and work. So they left what they were doing and they followed him. <laughs> they left their retirements where they had settled into a groove of being with their grandchildren, going to a movie anytime they wanted to, working the crossword puzzle all day, getting back to gardening, uh, going on a great diet, getting back to the gym, and they went right back to that hard, hard life that they had left behind. They came from all over. How many of them came? Over 100,000 people left what they were doing and volunteered to work as nurses once again. And I bet you all saw the letter from Kansas farmer Dennis Runke, who said he had five N95 masks at the beginning of the pandemic that he had saved from his time as a farmer in Kansas. He saved four so that his family could use them because his wife now had diabetes and she was down to only one lung because of disease. So the four they would save for when people came to the door or when their children came to visit, but the one clean one that was fresh and still in the package, he sent to Albany so that some healthcare worker in New York could have it and use it. He loved those people even without seeing them, and he loved that one healthcare worker who got to put on his mask. How shall we begin? with love, with care of one another, with living out those golly darn precautions that are driving us all nuts, but are saving lives and making things so much better than they would be if we didn't have them in place. This week was a week for us to hear about those great people who changed our lives and who died this year. It's always interesting to hear that list and to remember back 12 months and remember, oh, that was this year? Oh, I almost had forgotten that. Well, Congressman John Lewis, who was somebody who marched in the civil rights era, who risked his life over and over again and had the respect of people from both sides of the aisle, wrote several books. He did die this last year after a battle with cancer but he wrote in his book, A Vision for Change and the Future of America in 2017, a vision for what we ought to do. This sounds like it's founded in love to me. He says, study the path of others to make your way easier and more abundant. Lean toward the whispers of your own heart. Discover the universal truth and follow its dictates. Know that the truth always leads to love and the perpetuation of peace. Its products are never bitterness and strife. Clothe yourself in the work of love, in the revolutionary work of nonviolent resistance against evil. Anchor the eternity of love in your own soul and embed this planet with goodness. Release the need to hate, to harbor division, and the enticement of revenge. 
release all bitterness, hold only love, only peace in your heart, knowing that the battle of good to overcome evil has already won. Choose confrontation wisely, but when it is your time, don't be afraid to stand up, speak up, and speak out against injustice. And if you follow your truth down the road to peace and the affirmation of love, if you shine like a beacon for all to see, then the poetry of all the great dreamers and philosophers is yours to manifest in a nation, a world community, and a beloved community that is finally at peace with itself. Amen.